Hey, everyone. Hi. Hello. Welcome to another episode of Alice. Hey, now. Greg, what are you doing here? Hey, what do you mean? What I, Allison, where do you, you come from, Greg? I came from the world of childish, and I just want to make sure that your listeners know that you're just as wonderful on the on the other podcast you do. What if they don't have kids? Don't need them. You don't need them. A lot of our listeners actually tell us they don't have kids. We talk about sex. We talk about all sorts of dirty stuff, but also parenting stuff. Yeah, so. Check out Childish, new episodes every Wednesday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, everyone. Hi. Hello. Welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is your new best friend. I'm sitting here in the pod cabin with someone I like a whole lot, and I'm very excited that she's back in town. Uh, and she's been on the podcast many times before, but it's, it's true. been a while. Mary Catherine Ham, hello. Welcome. She is a political commentator and a journalist currently with CNN. Before that, she was with Fox. That's actually how we met. I'm mm-hmm. doing Red Eye. Um, and she is the co-author of the book End of Discussion, which came out in 2015. And she's uh, one of the one of the brains on the Lady Brains podcast, which is newish, I think, right? It's been around for a while, but we've slowly grown. It's just a group of girlfriends that are political, but don't talk about politics. Okay. Yeah. And are you guys all on the same side politically? Yes, we're, we're right-leaning chicks who just talk about makeup and nails and, and so, you know, pop culture and whatnot. It's I love nice it. Break. I was, yeah, I was, well, so I tuned in knowing that you were coming on today because um, I was like, I got to, what is this Lady Brains podcast that I have just have a new awareness of? Um, and so I expected that it would be political. Yeah. Uh, and then instead I heard you guys talking about moving and, uh, and okay. What is when, what is having your house Lindsay'd? (laughs) (laughs) She's going to be so excited. You asked this question. Uh, our friend Lindsay is, um, a bit of a KonMari enthusiast. Okay. But Marie Kondo, my, my husband's true love. Right. But per pre condo, you know, she's, she's been this person for a long time. And so if your life gets Lindsay'd, if she comes to your house, it's actually wonderful. If if she's ever out here, I should send her to you. Please, in like, I'm afraid. In of like what seven and a half minutes, your kitchen and living room, while she's just talking and buzzing around, will look better than it's looked in six months. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how she does it. It would take me an hour and a half to clean all of this, and she just does it. She's Lindsay's. now if she does it systematically to your whole life, this can be a very jarring experience i imagine right so the the condoing if you're a bit of a hoarder as i am uh can be emotional mm, and yeah. so you just have to you have to deal with that and if, if she's doing it for friends which she often does and it's a very loving wonderful thing you got to work through a lot of emotions with her does she do it unbidden no she doesn't do it unbidden except perhaps to her significant other occasionally <laughs> okay so when she lindsayed your life you had asked her to do that yes she she hasn't lindsayed mine hardcore mm-hmm. just occasionally like when i'm moving i'm like i need to get rid of a lot of stuff i'm not good at that right you are so but it can be yes it's a it's an experience well that's a question i wanted to ask you um you're you you quite publicly went through a tragedy back in 
what year was it? 2015. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, your husband died in a cycling accident and you guys were a beautiful, like picture perfect couple. You have two children with him. You were seven months pregnant when he died, Jake. Um, and so I was listening to you talk about on this episode, you were talking about having a lot of empathy for the people on hoarders. And I do too. Like I have a lot of feelings mixed up with my stuff. And I also have just like a lot of unprocessed feelings in general, which gets stored in stuff for you with grief now attached. Like how does that affect your attempts to not have clutter around? It's very tricky uh, because there obviously I have all of Jake's stuff uh, and some of it like electronics eventually sort of becomes obsolete. You don't know whether you should keep all of these iPhones sort of up and running and Mm -hmm. updated so that they don't ever disappear. There's a real, I think in the early stages of grief, there's a real urgency about that. And, Oh, I can't let any of these things disappear. What if there's some message that I need Mm -hmm. in here? Yeah. Um, And so I had a lot of stuff with that sort of keeping all the phones and all the computers and all the photos and every, you know, just backing things up a thousand times. Did you keep all of his phones? Like I have, I have them. Up. His his most recent one uh, was on for a while. I had trouble letting go of that yeah. one, and I actually talked to an, another uh, a friend who was also a widow. I'm friends with a lot of widows now because they find me mm. online. Her husband also died in a cycling accident. She lives in Puerto Rico. Lovely woman, and we met one time, and she also had the old phone, and she could. There were certain things that she couldn't part with, uh, and it was this, this phone that she she was keeping alive even though the little, the charger thing wasn't working, but it was because it was the phone she had while he was here. Yeah. It was the phone he called her on. And it it just like, there's stuff like that. There's so much wrapped up in technology now. Um, But that urgency fades. I mean, it just, it becomes less important. And right after someone dies, you think that that's a betrayal of them. But as it, as you move forward, it's these sort of things fade into the background and it doesn't become, it's not as important anymore. Mm -hmm. And you free up a lot of your emotional life when it's not devoted to, you know, several devices and a ton of clothing. (laughs) Um, And so, but it's still very tricky because there are things that I wonder, well, will the girls want this Mm -hmm. someday? And I I think, I think I've done well at being slow about it um, and keeping important things and trying not to clutter our lives with only, you know, we don't shrines to our old life right. when we're trying to move forward with a new life. Um, so I try to be careful about it. His family, of course, is helpful because they, they want Probably a want lot of his stuff yeah. and we can, and we can share that together and then pass on to the girls if that's what works out. But the process of figuring out which things those are that are important is very tough. Like suits. I don't I do suits. I, <laughs> so they sat there for a long time mm. and then someday you move along and you give them to goodwill. Or you give them to somebody who needs them. Um, but yes, it's it's been a long, it's been four years of negotiating that. Right. Little right. by little. And putting a lot of stuff in storage that I was like, I can't deal with throwing this away right now, but I don't know what to do with it. So it's going there, mm-hmm. which is a metaphor, I'm sure, for my emotions in some way. <laughs> <laughs> do you, um, have you been kind to yourself in terms of not pushing yourself to, to like, discard things or make decisions before you're ready or do you get frustrated with your feelings um it's not it's i would say it's not much of an issue anymore um i think i've 
always been maybe a little too kind to myself when it comes to keeping things like, like this is why I have empathy for the hoarders because I can attach a memory to almost anything mm-hmm. in my home, scraps of paper, staples. Like <laughs> I'm sure this came from something, some craft project I did with my child when she was one. Yeah, I can do that. Yeah. Um, and so I've always been pretty lax with myself. That being said, I don't have a lot of square footage. So I think that's helpful in disciplining me. Um, but I think as you move through grief, one of the things that I discovered is you should, you should give yourself grace, but not give yourself excuses, mm. right? Like you don't just want to stay in one place for too long. And so do you mean like one psychological, med- uh, spiritual place? Uh, I mean, both, both literally and spiritually, right. you know, um, to work through all of this. Cause a lot of grief is physical. Mm-hmm. It's like the stuff that is in your home. Uh, the fact that you're tired all the time, uh, it's just such an emotional burden. And what I tell many of these, many of the women I become friends with or anyone who reaches out to me about a tragedy like this is it sounds facile, but the actual answer for me was to literally put one foot in front of the other. So physically I got up and did things every day Mm -hmm. and I moved forward with my life and I got outside, which is important. Um, And that really does change the picture and, and sort of not allowing myself to stay in bed every day, even Mm -hmm. though I was feeling miserable and I was seven months pregnant and I had every excuse in the world to do that. Uh, I made myself go out and put one foot in front of the other, which is I think why I do races. And it's, it's a very, to me, it's, it's a literal walking of the path of my life. And this is, this is how we do it. And we train ourselves to do it and we do it in harder ways all the time. And makes me feel better Mm -hmm. how are where where are you with the grief now do you think uh i mean this is a it's a totally new chapter i mean it is a very it's strange to look at my almost four-year-old now and it's funny i was riding with my friend down the road uh here in la or you know barely moving as it's la um (laughs) sitting on the freeway on the freeway (laughs) um at least the, the palm trees are pretty and we're listening to some lady gaga song and both of us are like God, that was 10 years ago i feel like lady gaga's new isn't she so it's funny i'm i know probably people listening to me will think you know it will feel to them as if if they knew the story that jake died yesterday but mm-hmm. i have a an almost four-year-old daughter um still stunning that she never met him it's just yeah. she's such a huge part of my story in my life uh that that's just mind-blowing to even think about but yeah it's a it's a whole new season i do feel like there were times i always felt pretty decent through these four years Mm -hmm. but looking back i'm definitely just generally healthier now Mm -hmm. both physically and emotionally um there were times during those years that there was way too much drinking just to i remember you saying that through the week um and so now i've channeled that into other things not that i drugs drink. <laughs> we channeled it into drugs yeah. i mean the <laughs> weed out here is great uh no but i so i do i do other things now and I, I work out a lot more often than i used to and just sort of uh still wrestle with anxiety but it's not quite as as much as before and i've learned to sort of coping mechanisms mm-hmm. for dealing with that oh people will want to know what they are oh gosh i, I mean not that they're that great or or groundbreaking i think there was there was a brief period there where i did have some sort of cyclical anxiety i think it was a little bit hormonal Mm -hmm. and there were things where i i didn't want to get on a plane to go 
for a business trip because you didn't want to leave your kids. Yeah. I mean, I'm the, I'm it for them. Right. I'm the parent and I've seen bad things happen. And so I would get in my head about, can I really do this? Can I really leave them? And I talked to my therapist who's love awesome lady. And, um, and she was like, well, just do one step at a time. You know how to get to the airport. You know how to get from the airport into the gate. You know how to go to the gate to the plane. Like don't do it in tiny chunks Mm -hmm. And it won't feel like this huge burden. And so that was it's a very practical thing that has helped me. Um, praying, a little bit of meditating, a lot of working out. Mm. That's, that's my, those are my sort of, that's my recipe, I guess. And did you have anxiety before he died? No. Yeah, you, you strike me and I think you've described yourself this way as like, if anything, you don't worry enough, right? Yes, I'm a, I have been a very unanxious person mm-hmm. i would say and i strive i think that's sort of my natural equilibrium but when some when trauma happens to yeah. you um of course you're gonna have some fears uh and so i think to re understanding that this is part of who i am now and that the anxiety is comes from a real place and that that's okay um i don't feel like i've had an identity crisis over it or anything but there, there are times when I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember I used to be very happy-go-lucky. And right now I'm not feeling so happy-go-lucky. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it comes and goes. And I, I feel like it's certainly manageable. Right. Yeah. Um, and I know you don't talk about your kids too much, public, although they, more than you wanted, right, became sort of public for a little while because there was so much attention on you guys. Yeah. I mean, the fact is people, you know, know who they are they know their birthdays i don't i don't put their faces online uh because i feel like and not their names too much it's not that huge a deal but uh they didn't choose to be public figures right and so i kind of steer clear of that just they don't need people's political crap on them from me right or whatever it is they can make that decision later but so so you can speak as much or as little as you want to the following question but how how are they doing um, they are, I mean, pretty fantastic. Um, so it's part of the heartbreak and, um, there are benefits to the fact that my, my oldest, who's now six was two, um, when her dad died, she got to know him. She has a few very real memories of him that she dug up, uh, or that she vocalized to me, uh, shortly after he died, she has a very long memory. So we sort of reinforced those mm-hmm. and we talk about him. We talk, I talk about him to the girls all the time. Uh, and so she actually remembers him a little bit, but there's not a lot of trauma associated with this. I think they both, my, my four-year-old, almost four-year-old treats it very matter of factly. Mm-hmm. Like your dad's in Chicago. My dad's in heaven, uh, which is a real conversation she had with a friend. <laughs> um, so I think uh-huh. that she treats it very matter of factly. Mm-hmm. Um, and she knows about him, of course. Right. From, Cause she's never known another reality. Right. This, this is what she was born to. Um, and so I think they, they occasionally have a little confusion about why do people have a different situation than we do. Um, but they're very, they're happy kids. They're well, to my mind, well-adjusted. Uh, <laughs> They're, they're, they're a, a, a ton of fun, very funny, uh, super social. Uh, and so they're, they're doing very well mm-hmm. and I, they're very easygoing. They love to be, they love to meet new people. Um, they make life fairly easy on me, I would say, particularly as a single mom of two girls. And when my, when my youngest was very young, she was just easy as can be. 
it was a real blessing. She was exactly the kid that I needed Mm -hmm. in 2015 when she was born and basically didn't cry for a month. I was like, this is what I needed. (laughs) I could could not have done this with the screaming in the middle of the night. I mean, I, I, I saw glimpses of the crazy woman I would have been. Mm. I'm sh- I would have gotten through it. Yeah. But the crazy woman I would have been had she been colicky or really tough. Mm-hmm. And she was just, I got you, mom. <laughs> I got you. Was your first tough? Because no. Elliot was, my first was a lot more tough than my second. My first was not tough either. Pretty easygoing. They're both sleepers. God bless them. Um, but I think I was a little more wrapped up in it. And I was a little more high intensity or tense about her behavior and so uh the second time around i i called in a lot more help uh, Mm -hmm. because i had to i admitted that there were things i couldn't do um but both of them fairly easy the second one even easier than the first right um so i've buried the lead a little bit you have pretty huge personal news which like just happened just happened yeah so Tell, tell, tell me everything. So I text, oh, I texted you last night cause we had sort of gotten in touch about maybe doing something, but I'm the world's worst scheduler. And so I was like, Oh, there's something I'm supposed to do. And I texted you and say, Hey, can you still do tomorrow? I just got engaged tonight. <laughs> Shrug emoji. Um, no, I don't think you said tonight though. Maybe oh, did did. I, not? <laughs> I don't think so because I didn't realize that it was, it had just happened till, till I just yes. saw you just now. Yes. Congratulations. It, that you. is amazing. Just I'm so happened. happy for you. Yeah. Fill me in well, please. It's very exciting. Uh, people will be maybe slightly confused because <laughs> the, Oh, now fiance, I would say boyfriend. The now fiance has been around for a while, mm-hmm. but he is not a public figure. In fact, he has no social media. It's like dating somebody from the nineties, which I, <laughs> recommend highly it's fantastic <laughs> well, where does someone find someone like that though that's the problem i don't know but it has been amazing uh because there's so many mind games that you don't have to play like in the early parts of a relationship i didn't have to worry about did he like this instagram post but not this instagram right. post is he watching my stories i don't know yeah and again i'm not that much of an overthinker but that stuff can get to you and i had never dated in that era um so he's been around for a while uh we've been dating about two years He's in the girls' lives. He's a fantastic, natural co-parent. Uh, it is amazing to have a partner. I have, I've spent so much time handling the girls by myself that having someone to help has just been like a revelation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My mind is blown. And he's extremely good at it um, and just great with them, pushes them in the right ways, has mm-hmm. high expectations of them. Uh, and I think something that I found about myself, and I, I don't think I'm super guilty of it, but when you raise your kids from babies, sometimes you forget that you can ask more of them mm-hmm. like, Oh, well I was stuck in two year old zone and now you're three and a half. And this is a very different world. Yeah. He comes in with fresh eyes and he's like, <laughs> like they're coming from the car and he's like, their arms work, right? Why aren't they carrying anything for you? <laughs> and I'm like, that is a very good question. I have a lot of things to carry yeah. on the regular and they should be carrying them. <laughs> and so now we all work together as a team, mm-hmm. but uh, just simple things like that uh, actually are not that simple. It's a huge, it's a huge help to me and a huge change in my lifestyle. Right. Um, so yeah, he's, um, he's fantastic. How'd you guys meet? Uh, well, so <laughs> I didn't date for, I mean, basically two a little over two years uh after jake died i was very i had blinders on i really wanted to 
raise the kids and I wanted to not, I was very wary about finding comfort in places that I shouldn't, uh, mm-hmm. whether it was relationships. And I've, as I've noted, like alcohol was like occasionally a place where you would go to, mm-hmm. to drown your sorrows a bit, where I would go to drown my sorrows a bit and try to be careful about that. Um, and relationships I knew could be like that. Mm-hmm. And so I just, I just sh- kind of shut it off for two years. I also was like, I feel like realistic about the fact that I was, I'm a 37 year old widow with two small children. I didn't feel like the greatest catch in the world. <laughs> like I, I have a, I have a healthy amount of like self love. Right. Uh, <laughs> but, but I was just like, I don't know. I don't feel like a great bargain for anyone right mm. now. There's a lot of baggage here. There's yeah. a lot, you know, this is a lot for someone to take on. Um, well, it certainly weeds out anyone who's, uh, I don't know, looking for something super cash, probably. Yes. And I think I was also afraid that any relationship I got into, I would have to shield that person from the responsibilities of the kids. Mm. Sort of not apologizing for them, but like, well, they literally aren't yours. So I have to, I'll do the heavy lifting Mm -hmm. and try to make things as easy for you as possible. That was just in my head. That was how that that worked. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was worried about that. And so I don't know. I just I didn't see a ton of possibility for. Plus, there's the public figure thing. So I was like, "Well, I ain't going on eHarmony. It's going to be <laughs> right. a screenshot weird stuff about me." So, not that I'm that important, but, but it was still, a little unknown person. Yeah, yeah, it was a little intimidating to think about that. So it turns out you do it the old-fashioned way, uh, which is your neighbor knows somebody and says you need to meet him. Mm. And uh, both of us resisted it. We we're like, eh, sure, I'm sure she's great. I'm sure he's great. <laughs> Uh, and eventually she talked us into it. She's a, uh, my neighbor who was a godsend during my whole crisis because she's a seal wife. Oh. Um, and so she has seen a lot and, uh, she came to me early on and was like, whatever you need, I'm, I'm here for you. Uh, including and up to like that baby's eight months long. If you need a, if you need some tequila, just come to me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but just a good, like a good person, to have around who's seen that stuff before, who doesn't break down, who knows, um, knows the ups and the downs. And she, for whatever reason, she knew this guy she worked with and said, uh, I think you got, I think you could handle him. (laughs) (laughs) And I think she thought that he could handle me. (laughs) Um, and so, uh, we met at a barbecue and I, I, I was like, well, Oh, and she also said, uh, which I shouldn't mention. She's like, he's also like a total smoke show. You got to, you got to at least meet him. And I was like, now you're speaking my language. <laughs> Sign he me is up. Very attra- I, I got to see him with my own eyes. He did. He's very, very attractive. So, uh, so I went to this barbecue that he was hosting and, uh, and I saw him and I was like, well, she pegged me at least for that. And, uh, he looked, is he your type? Yes. And he looked like a Southerner. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm from the South. It was just like something about it clicked and he's a smart ass. And so it was pretty quickly, I was like, oh, I'm going to like him. <laughs> and I didn't know if that was good or bad. Uh, and it's been a lot of, it's been two years of a lot of learning. We have very different personalities. He's introverted. I'm extroverted. Uh, it's, he's quite reticent. Um, and so sort of reading his signals and trying to figure out how to, how best for us to communicate uh, took a long time. And then just like figuring out do you want to do the thing where you raise these two kids with me? Cause that's what this is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we handled it mostly maturely. We've had some pretty hilarious now legendary fights that we 
run over occasionally uh, for each other, but it's been a really good learning process. And I just feel like he was sort of put right in front of me and oh, he loves Halloween costumes. <laughs> it's like this super alpha dude who wants to dress up in Halloween costumes. I'm like, great. Awesome. Um, but yeah, I think he's the, he's just fan. I feel very lucky to have found him mm-hmm. and he's the kind of, he's the kind of masculinity that the world actually needs, which is, which is, Hey, I'm this alpha dude. And I'm also a man of duty and honesty who wants to step in because I love you and also love them. Mm-hmm. And that's, they need that. And I need that. And I didn't need somebody who needed to be shielded from them. Right. I needed somebody who was like, I do super hard stuff and I'm here for this. Yeah. And what do you feel like is the kind of masculinity the world doesn't need? <laughs> well, I, d- I have this annoyance with particular cause I work in politics, particularly in the political realm where strength, like this to me, this like gaping obvious insecurity is read as strength. This mm. sort of loud, Trumpy, let's. I mean, but mm-hmm. but for a lot of right. politicians, it's not just Trump. Loud, insecure, like boastful Bullying. nonsense is like is read as strength and 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 masculinity, and I just think that's actual like secure masculinity that really does protect people and really is worth something in this world. <laughs> uh, is much quieter and is much more uh, dignified, mm-hmm. and it's just there's there's a contrast there. Um, so that's a that's a pet issue for me that I I just think reading particularly politicians as like oh he's such a such a big bad guy when in fact it's like wow you're sort of showing your ass <laughs> uh, yeah I'm always surprised how many people seem to read that as strength yeah because it really is like yeah I I guess I come from a similar world where it's like no that's um schoolyard. Uh, like peacocking. Yeah. I'm, the, I'm mixing metaphors, but... Um, no, I'll take it. And by the way, when we started, I told you I was going to awkwardly wedge in <laughs> Go for some, it. some stuff. And here comes one. I think you might... This might be something that appeals to you. Mary Catherine, are you familiar with Stitch Fix? Do you I use them? I know of it. I have not used it. Okay. But well, I feel like you would like them. So this is actually for Stitch Fix kids, but Stitch Fix is an online personal styling service. Um, you take a quiz and then they send you a, a hand-picked collection of stuff. Um, you you really indicate like what you need, what you like, what your style is, et cetera. They send you stuff. You keep what you want. You send back what you don't need. And now they've extended their service to kids. So when it comes to sizes, kids' clothes are hard to get right. Stitch Fix kids can help you find the perfect fit every Every time. Um, so like I mentioned, uh, you take a quiz and you, you let them know they have every style you want from sporty to preppy to boho to help boys and girls everywhere find their style. Uh, and with Stitch Fix, everyone can look their best. They have solutions for women and men as well as kids available all over the U.S. And now um, it's available in the U.K. as well. And here's something I like a lot. No subscription required. You can pick between automatic shipments or only getting new pieces on demand. Shipping exchanges and returns are always free. Get started today at Stitch fix.com slash kids slash BFF. 
Yeah, there's two slashes in there, you guys. Uh, stitchfix.com slash kids slash BFF to try Stitch Fix and get an extra 25% off when you keep everything in your box. And as a bonus, Stitch Fix will waive the $20 styling fee when you use this show's special URL. That's stitchfix.com slash kids slash BFF. Again, stitchfix.com slash kids slash BFF. I would like to also tell you about Rothy's. Rothy's are super comfortable, very stylish, uh, kind on the environment flats. Ladies, these are your new favorite flats. Um, they're made of recycled plastic water bottles. And when I heard that, I thought, well, that just sounds like, and this is a blast from the past, jelly shoes, which jelly shoes from a long time ago are uncomfortable plastic blister creators. And that is not at all what Rothy's are. Rothy's, they, it feels like really soft, but um, sturdy fabric. Uh, they're perfect everyday shoes for life on the go. They come in an ever-changing array of colors, prints, and patterns, and they're available in a range of styles like sneakers, loafers, points, or more. They launch new colors and patterns every few weeks, and they sell out constantly. Um, so here's a tip, you guys. If you see something you like, grab it, because people are addicted to Rothy's. They collect them, uh, and uh, the thing you want, it'll be gone fast. So you got to act fast. Act fast with your Rothy's. Check out all the amazing styles available right now now at rothys.com slash allison go to rothys.com slash allison to get your new favorite flats comfort style and sustainability these are the shoes you've been waiting for head to rothys.com slash allison today all right let's go back to the story of your new love um by the way i feel like i'm always on your show at some life crossroads i think you are because i was pregnant with my first <laughs> yeah and then i had written that book and i was pregnant with my second but it wasn't public yet right and then shortly after jake died we had a talk and now this yeah i should come here more often i know you should <laughs> unless you like the status quo yeah, and then don't true, because you, you might um did you was there a period of time where you thought uh where you weren't sure whether you would fall in love again for sure uh i not so much because i didn't think i was capable of loving anybody else it was it was more just it was hard to envision the person who takes this on. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of things there. There's the, there's the grief. There's the uh, person who was here before you who often, and I try not to do this, but uh, people who have passed on can be sanctified. Mm. Uh, and then you're sort of, you're trying to measure up to this person who has no flaws because they're not allowed to have flaws anymore. Uh -huh. um, so I try not to do that with Jake, but is, do you feel the temptation to do that? Uh, no, I think early on, I, I didn't want to do, I, I made a point of saying I wasn't going to do that. Mm -hmm. Now that doesn't mean I'm talking about junk, but I, I did, I didn't want to make him into a saint in a way that sort of distorts who he really was. And I don't think it's a particularly healthy way to, mm -hmm. to see somebody necessarily there. He's a real person. Right. Um, so there's that. There's also the like public figure, loud mouth, uh, arguing, uh, lady talker thing, which is, you know, it, like there's a lot in that package where I'm, I can sort of take up the oxygen in a room or I can, uh, some people don't want to hang out with public figures or have mm -hmm. their lives possibly in this public sphere. Uh, right. So there were a lot of, I saw a lot of barriers, mm -hmm. uh, to being with me and to creating a relationship that I would be happy with. Right. And I wasn't going to settle for a relationship just because I wanted a relationship. Mm -hmm. So I think that was, but I really also wanted, I wanted a, a father for the kids. Yeah. I mean, that's why I got married and had kids. Um, so I worried about that. 
Um, and like I said, he's the, he was the first person I dated. I went on like a, a date or two uh, before him, but he was really the first person I dated. And there was this like sign after sign that this is the person. And I, I'm a believer and I believe I don't know, so things happen for a reason. Not, mm-hmm. not that, not that facile, but you know, right. like I, I, I look to those things um, and take some comfort in. It just seemed like I was very clearly pointed in this direction, mm-hmm. um, even though it was at times challenging. Um, so, and then, so last night I was like, oh my God, look at this. Oh yeah. So, like, <laughs> so I will, I will tell the story because everybody loves an engagement yeah. story. Um, so we came out here on a family trip. Um, the girls are with me. I was doing a work thing, but decided to make a long weekend of it, visit some friends of mine. Um, so my fiance's like, we should now fiance was like, we should, uh, we should go horseback riding. I'm like, okay, sure. <laughs> I mean, he's, he into, he he's like, I'm not, he wants to try his, his cowboy thing. I'm like, all right, sure. <laughs> I'm not that into horseback riding, but whatever. I'm outdoorsy. Uh, so we go and it, there's this plan for my friends as a couple to come with us. I like double date horseback riding. Mm-hmm. That'd be great. Was this in LA? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and like Topanga Canyon. Uh-huh. Uh, so we go out there and, and my friend and her husband, they can't come because he's late getting home from work. He's mm-hmm. not going to make the trail ride. Right. And I was like, Oh, that sucks. And then they, they're like, we'll be right behind you. We'll see if we can make it. Time goes on. They never show up. And I'm like, Oh, you know, LA traffic, I guess. Right. Uh, <laughs> So they never show up. So we, they're like, well, if they show up, we'll bring them up to the trail to meet you guys later. So we end up going on this beautiful trail ride with this uh, perfectly wackadoodle California <laughs> woman as the, as the guide, um, taking us up at sunset, all through these beautiful views. Uh, and, we, and we come around this corner. It's the, the perfect sunset moment. I did notice she was taking like a lot of photos of mm-hmm. us. <laughs> and I was like, I know it's... The, I'm as into the gram as anyone, but this is a lot of photos. <laughs> and, uh, and we got up to this beautiful spot and it's the sun setting. And she's, she says, you know, I don't usually let people do this because dismounting the horses is a whole thing, but you guys can jump down and you know, check out the sunset. So I walk over to check out the sunset and I'm dutifully taking photos. Thank God you weren't like, no, we're good. No, I'm, du- <laughs> I'm dutifully taking photos like a good millennial does. Mm-hmm. And I'm about to turn around and say, we should do a selfie. And he's on one knee and I, reacted in a very me way which is oh my god are you kidding me (laughs) and then he's i think there's video so i I haven't checked the audio but i think he's actually he's saying his part right he's doing his moment he's saying the things and i actually say shut your mouth and i hit him (laughs) i think i hit him several times Uh, on his on what part of him i think his leg and then his arm and he's just patiently sitting there with a ring like waiting for me to say and then eventually i said hell yeah and i instructed him to put it on me (laughs) put that thing on me um so it was beautifully totally tricked me i love a surprise Mm -hmm. some people don't love surprises i told him when we had decided that we were going in this direction i was like just you do your thing surprise me and i he 100 percent got me 100 percent. so then Oh, it gets better, Allison. <laughs> it's so good already. No, at the risk of being my own Hallmark movie, uh, we ride back down to the stables and there's like rose petals and champagne oh. and a place to sit. And it's like twinkly lights everywhere. It's beautiful. But I have a way of ruining the moment. I was like, I got to hit the head. Uh, I'll be right back. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I go to the bathroom. You know, we've been riding horses for a yeah. while. I go to the bathroom, uh, 
And I come back and my daughters are sitting in the chairs. Yeah. Aww. And he proceeds to give <gasps> both of them. Oh, stop. A single. Oh, st- <laughs> no, this is- are you kidding me? What did you say to him? That- <laughs> yeah. Are you kidding me? <laughs> uh, he gives both of them a ring with oh a God. similar gonna cry. stone uh, and says, just like I'm making a commitment to your mama, I'm making a commitment to both of you. And their ki- you know, their reaction was like, oh, cool. But they're like on this whole adventure and they'll understand more how beautiful this is yeah. later. I was like, I was like, let me put these in a shadow box or something. Let, let them ha- have them. <laughs> right. uh, and so he did that. And then we took like family pictures together and spent some time together. And my friend who had bailed quote unquote right. on the, on the ride had brought the girls up and we went back to her house and had a little party with some other LA friends. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah. He, he freaking nailed it. Oh my God. Were you crying when he gave the rings to the girls? No, no. I thought I maybe should be, but I'm, I'm not that much of a happy, I'm not, a t- I'm not a real crier and I'm not that much of a happy, I was just excited. Right. I was, but that, that moment's the one that gets everybody. Everybody I've told the story is like, wait a second. Now I'm crying. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see the ring. There it is. That's so pretty. It's green. I wanted, uh, I, I like gemstones. I feel like I'm very pale and diamonds don't look that good on me. I don't, it's a thing. I prefer other things. Mm-hmm. And so I told him green emeralds apparently are soft. So yes. he went a different direction and this is a green garnet, uh, which is very like beautiful and poetic uh, thing to get me. Um, right. my, my second daughter is named garnet. We can just go ahead and say that Disclose it's all out there. It. Anyway. Yeah. Um, and so that was really poetic, beautiful yeah. thing. It's so pretty. Yeah. Nailed it. Wow. Now, and he's, he's, he's that kind of person. He, he can do a gesture. Yeah. Um, and when he does a gesture, he means it. Uh, and that's why one of the, you know, one of the things about this relationship getting here is I knew every step of the way that if he was in, he would be all in because that's the kind of person he mm-hmm. is. But I also understood that's a process for him getting his mind around. He's never been married. He's never had kids. Um, he's a little younger than me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> how, how much younger? Uh, four years. Okay. Um, yeah, it's negligible. Um, and so I knew that was a process with him figuring out because I knew that he, he wanted to be committed to the whole thing mm-hmm. 100% if he was going to be committed to it and getting your head wrapped around that is a very serious thing. Yeah. Um, and, but he's done it and he's real good at it. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm so happy for you. Um, and now I have to ask my obnoxious questions. Mm-hmm. Is there, and has there been a temptation to compare him with Jake? I, I, not so much to me. I think, Maybe I'm just a weirdo this way. I don't think. But I'm it, sure you aren't. It just felt like, and I, I've I've told other other people again who've gone through traumatic things. Sometimes when there's so much change so fast, it's almost helpful. Like the fact that I was pregnant, lost my husband, then had the baby within two months, actually sort of helped me because it was like this is a new season of life. Mm-hmm. There is no mistaking it. Uh, and it sort of helped me just, there was this signpost and then we, then we moved on. It's not disrespectful, but there was a real moment. I think that just sort of helped me figure out there will be new things moving Mm -hmm. forward, whether it's relationships or, or what have you. Um, and then I also, uh, right after he died, I spoke publicly about 
wanting to look forward and wanting to not be not live scared. Right. And so I think telling that story and asking people to hold me accountable for that helped me helped me make that a reality. Mm -hmm. So when I'm when I met someone new, it really felt new. It felt like a a very different thing. Right. Um, So is there any or was there any feeling of like of guilt about falling in love again? And I hope it does. You don't I hope you don't think I'm saying you should because I 100 percent don't think you should. Uh, No, I, I do not feel guilty. And I will shout it from the rooftops because I think people probably need to hear that. Yeah. Um, and I, I think in the early days, and I wrote about it, there is this sense. I remember somebody saying uh, shortly after he died, like, I can't wait till we get to five years from now and it doesn't hurt so bad. Mm. And that felt like that felt wrong to me. I thought, oh, you get five years from now and it's just you're just moving ever further from the time that this person was here with you. And that feels, even though it might feel emotionally better someday, feels bad that I'm moving further and further and away from this person. And I, I, I think I, I wrote at the time, or it was like several years after he died, that um, that relief from grief can actually bring you pain because you mm. think, oh gosh, what am I, what am I doing? Right. Um, and is this a betrayal of the life that I used to live? So there was a little bit of that, but it was much earlier on. Um, and sort of fear about just, I'm inexorably further and further from this life that I used to live. Mm. Um, but that's also just life. And so I think that, that faded pretty early on and I did feel, uh, and I, and I understand when people come to me in the midst of grief, grief and talk about it, that like the pitch to them is not like, it's going to feel way better in four years, even though there are ways that it does feel much better in four years when you're in the thick of it, mm. you don't want that relief. That relief feels bad. Right. So um, it, it's a process as, as all these things are. Mm-hmm. But no, I, I, I don't feel guilty. Yay. I'm proud. <laughs> good. I'm proud. I'm happy. Yeah. It's good. It's good for my kids. It's good for me. It's good for me. It's good for everybody's family. So. You mentioned that you're a believer. Did um, any ask, has, has your faith been shaken by anything you've gone through? I think to me, it was helpful to have God to go to and be like, Hey, I'm super pissed off at you. Um, and also, can you please look after me? I don't know how to do this. (laughs) Um, and so, uh, that was the way I looked at it. Now are there, are there things that I was ticked about? And I was like, why do I, why do I have to walk this path? Yeah. And like, you know, I don't know how sound my theology is. I'm not a, I'm not an apologist um, or Christian apologist, but, uh, but just leaning on that faith and praying almost, it was, I mean, praying and meditation have a lot of similarities Yeah. for the LA crowd. I know you guys really understand the meditation, so let's just transfer <laughs> that. Um, but they have a lot of similarities and I, I really, there were verses I prayed like a mantra just to get me through the night um, about, Lord having plans for me and that the plan was to prosper me and not to hurt me, um, even though it hurts right now. And so that helped me a lot. And like, like I said, there have been things after Jake died where I felt like he was very present. Like I was getting sort of, you know, guideposts from him pointing in the right direction. And then when I met my fiance, I was like, this feels weirdly right. Like, and I, 
I think I'm a I'm a pretty decisive person, so mm. I I feel good about decisions that I make, and so I I my faith I think is a little bit part of that, where I feel like if I'm I'm moving in the right direction and I'm getting some affirmation for that, I'm like okay I'm I'm comfortable with this, and I think living as a public person and a mm-hmm. public woman, it helps to be sure yeah. about the direction you're moving, and it helps to, um, and I think my faith helps me with that a bit. Mm. Um, why? Can you say more about that? Why do you think it helps as a public woman um, to I, be sure? I just mean, I am, you know, as you know, being a public figure, um, and particularly in politics, you have to be prepared to wage an argument for yourself, mm. sometimes even on stuff that's unnecessary to wage an argument on. And one of my, and actually my Twitter bio, even though I don't really spend much time on Twitter anymore, but my Twitter bio is uh, immune to mommy shaming. <laughs> Because things like that, uh, I've thought through where I am on this. Mm. I feel good about where I am on this. I think I might be a little bit an outlier in being very sure about the decisions mm. I'm making, partly because this really bad thing happened to me, and I feel like I've done a really good job doing this, and so don't come at me about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I want to impart that to other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of obviously public questioning. Uh, of ourselves that that women do and some of it's super healthy you should you shouldn't think you're right all the time right but when i come to important decisions about things i'm doing in my life i generally have th- thought through those and the trolls can come at me as they wish so yeah, that totally makes sense though yeah. uh, that totally makes sense that that as a person in the public eye you're gonna hear more opinions about how you're leading your life so therefore if you can feel confident and good and decisive about what you're doing, then you're not going to be as, um, you're not going to be susceptible to, to taking that shit in. Right. And you, you pick your battle. Like, I don't want to dig my heels in on every single policy question. I think that's unhealthy. That's like the tribalism and the, Mm -hmm. and the, uh, the polarization we have people digging them, digging their heels in just because this is my team saying this. I don't want to do that. But on the big stuff, like raising my kids and making decisions about, who will be in my life. I've, I got this. I got this. Yeah. (laughs) But that's, I mean, one of the reasons I've stayed quiet for two years of dating is because I know that there will be questions about that. I know people are curious about it sometimes in, in the most friendly, wonderful way because they want to know that things are going well for me Mm -hmm. and they've all prayed for us and they have donated money to my family and they have like, I have been held up by all these, Mm -hmm. these people in really important ways, people I will never know about. And they're just curious. There are other people who will have judgments, but I just wanted to, I wanted to be super sure before I went, Hey, this is this thing I'm doing. Just direct them to this podcast where you made your, your public statement. (laughs) Then we can be done. Um, gal chat question Mm -hmm. your makeup is perfect oh thank you did you you do this yourself i did uh can you tell me the can you please now address the question that all the listeners are dying to know what color eyeshadow is that what kind of eyeliner is that okay the eyeliner i swear by you've noticed it on instagram before is lorac eye pin i think that's what it's called Mm -hmm. um l-o-r-a-c and it's it, Carol backwards. Yes. I and believe it is, that's her name. It is the most easy to apply and unsmudgy liquid liner look that I have ever done. I need I, to get this. I love it. I love it. I don't know what the eyeshadow is, but I can get back to you. It's on kind that. of pink, pinkish, yeah, it's like a iridescent, pinky shimmer. Yeah. But I don't know exactly what it is. 
I think it's NYX. I don't know how you say that. Is it Nick? I think it's Nick. Okay. Yeah. I think it's Nick. You know the brand OPI? Yes. I always want to call it Opie. It's not. It's not? It's o- I think it's OPI. Oh, I want to call it Opie too. Yeah. Well, I mean, we can call it Opie, but I think that they will <laughs> tell you it's OPI. Gadget. Um. So last time I had you on, uh, the Fox stuff had just started blowing up um, and we never talked about it. But what are your thoughts about all of that? Um, I think at the time it had just happened and yeah. I had just started at CNN and I was like, Let me, I just, I got out of there clean. Let me just right. do my job. And um, what is all this? St- are, are, what had, what had just happened? The Roger I think, Ailes? I think the Roger Ailes stuff had okay. just barely broken maybe when I, when I came on the show or it was newish. Right. Now the, the payouts and the right. treatment of women. And so what I all, my standard line is I was never harassed at Fox. If I had been, you would have heard about it immediately probably on live tv if at all possible like that's and i think some of that um i also say (laughs) i don't think athletic brunettes were their thing over there (laughs) roger else was not interested in me professionally or uh or personally um i'm actually surprised i i got hired i never met him i used to think why why didn't i ever get called up to his office and now i'm like oh yeah you dodged a bullet dodge that bullet um but that's so funny. You really thought, well, if I remember correctly, and maybe all TV places are like this, and I really, I'm speaking out of school. I, I, I'm not speaking to my own personal experience, although I did witness some things. A lot of the newscasters, not the commentators, but the, a lot of the, the women hired there were all sort of nervous and comparing themselves to each other and wanting to curry his favor, right? Would yes. And true? I would say that I would say that the more competitive as, as I'll just say it this way, all the crazy was in New York, yeah. like w- in DC, which is where I always was. We were very shielded from so much of that. We, you were also not going to move up the ladder a ton mm-hmm. if you were in DC and only right. doing remote hits. Um, and I didn't really, uh, but I had a very pleasant, mostly pleasant experience working there. Um, O'Reilly also never messed with me Nothing, um, ever, never ever no he was just a garden variety jerk <laughs> but i i felt like i was a i was able to have my say with him on tv mm-hmm. on camera smack him down when it was necessary and nothing ever sexual um i think he saw me very much as like a a kid is what it mm-hmm. that's what it felt like mm-hmm. um but i know i have a lot of friends who went through this and who were silent about it until after this all broke and i was my mind was blown like this was happening to you guys um and so nothing ever happened to me i tried my best behind the scenes to support the women i knew who were still there and to hopefully walk them through this process where if they were going to stay at the network that we saw to the fact that the the environment changed and it has um nothing none of these networks are perfect as we're learning about certainly NBC at this point, thanks to this uh, Ronan Farrow book, Catch and Kill, which is mm-hmm. like, um, so there's problems. Have you read it? I haven't read it. I've spoken to him about it and it's, the stories are just insane. Um, so there's a lot of problems with this everywhere. Uh, but yeah, I tried to sort of talk to my friends through it and support them as necessary. And do you have some friends who are still there? Yes. Yeah. I got, I have plenty of friends who are still there and they do feel good about the situation now mm-hmm. it took a while though i mean there right. was the upheaval didn't really feel like it was going to change anything for mm-hmm. a while and then i think i think it actually did yeah so yeah i also and i again not an insider like you by any means but kind of shocked that all this was happening when i was going in and out of that building quite a bit 
Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm amazed in the past three or four years, just how cartoonishly bad people can be. Yeah. And I, I don't, I don't think I'm a naive person, but I am an optimistic person and I want to see the best in people and I want to see the best in situations. And I sometimes I'm guilty of rose colored glasses when it comes to my life or my work or, but man, I have had the same experience. Um, less with the new stuff. Well, no, it's, it's all connected. All the me too stuff. When all the Harvey Weinstein stuff was coming out of just being like, Oh my God, I feel like I have been blind or naive to so much of how things actually get done. I mean, of course I'm, I'm aware of all the dark things and many of the dark things in this world, but I didn't realize to what a degree this is the story for so many women. Cause it it hasn't been for me. I look right. Same with all of the, the me too stuff. I have looked back at different situations that I've been in in my life and thought that was inappropriate. That was inappropriate. That was inappropriate. But I really have been lucky compared to the, a lot of the stories I've heard. Yeah. I would say there are two, there were two events in my career where I reported somebody. Oh, um, what it, well, one was for something. One was at a job when I was very young, right out of college. Um, and there seemed to me to be impropriety with a very young, mm. uh, intern, slash sort of employee. And I decided to take it up the chain because I didn't think she was of an age where she could be making decisions about this. Uh, it did not go well for you. Um, for, well, it it was just handled terribly in the way, oh, you in, mean, in the way that saying. people talk about these things. Uh, she was called in and made to feel bad about it as if she was the one who'd done something mm. wrong. I don't know if they told her that I was the one who reported it. And I was, and this was smoking gun. I had seen contact. I was, I knew the deal. I had, and did she like the guy uh unclear but i mean she was very young so it was it. <laughs> this was not not an appropriate situation yeah. um, no i i'm just just to make clear i'm not defending it at all i was just wondering was it like a lecherous creepy dude or like someone who was in a position of power that like a lewinsky clinton kind of thing uh more the first um, Oh, okay and so i so i took it up the chain it didn't it didn't go well they made her feel bad they made me feel bad Um, I just kind of worked out my time there and pieced out when I could. Uh, the second one was a a boss with hiring and firing, uh, power over me who liked me and told me about it. And Mm. over a lunch one day that I thought was business lunch and I gave him a, to put it mildly, very stern talking to about why this was totally inappropriate in the moment and i was like i'm probably losing my job over this but this is unacceptable wow and uh i'm impressed that you had the presence of mind to to be able to like speak up for yourself in the moment i was angry i had that feeling and this is the the thing about the me me too stuff you hear this so many times women are uh, they're angry because you have taken something they feel proud and good about and turned it into this creepy weird transactional like well, so let's say even if this is even if this is pure love, um, if I were to take you up on this, what would everyone think about my career and how I've gotten here? Yeah. Um, so it's very. I was angry, and when I'm angry, I I will pop off. Um, and I thought for sure that would not end well for me. But I reported it to HR, um, and it wasn't handled great. But I felt like it did the right thing, and I didn't felt like I didn't feel like it was 
horribly punished for it. I did like there wasn't actual retaliation, mm-hmm. but I was very uncomfortable just for the duration sure. of my time there. Yeah. Uh so but the reason I tell those two stories is I think I think it is important for people to say you can take these things up the chain and you can survive. And I would argue not in a rude way, but I feel okay about it. I would say my career might be better than both of those guys now. Uh, and it was the right thing to do. I feel good about the fact that I did it. And I pass along to younger women when I talk to them, they're like, this is a thing you can do and survive. Mm-hmm. It won't necessarily be a fair process. You won't feel good the whole time. Um, but I think telling young women that and making it more normal to report things that really are over the line can maybe change that situation. Mm-hmm. Where do you think this strength comes from? Um, I, I do not know. <laughs> I do not know. And I th- I thank you that that's how you put it. Um, I just, I was always, as a kid, I was always somebody who didn't mind taking the other side of an argument. My personality is such that I didn't realize until I was much older that people don't like, uh, like having a disagreement. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm very comfortable in just, just for, especially an intellectual disagreement. I'm very comfortable in that space. I just want to chat it out. This is fun. Other people do not find that enjoyable. But I think a lot of practice sticking up for myself mm-hmm. in places where I was the ideological weirdo, uh, <laughs> just gave me some skills for doing that. And I think I'm naturally, I'm predisposed to, be decent at that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess whatever, whatever, um, fight or flight thing that, uh, that you have for me when I'm, when I'm ticked, I become clearer and less and more confident that than like when, the than the other way. Quality for someone who is a political commentator. This, <laughs> it, re- it really is though, because when I get, annoyed and feel challenged i get a little tongue-tied yeah you're flustered i mean yeah this is that's a totally normal thing um and i think when i'm when i'm having an argument when i don't want to be having one you know when i'm when it's not an intellectual endeavor i sometimes i do get more of that Mm -hmm. but I, i think just like i think my parents did raise me to be very confident um and they raised us to set bars for ourselves and achieve things and to uh, work towards things. And there've been times in my life when I've been better at that than other times, Um, but to set goals and work towards them and that junk feels good. And then you feel proud of yourself. And, Mm -hmm. uh, and I felt proud of myself and my career that in the moment when this guy did this thing that made me feel bad about it, I was like, F you, this is my thing I built. Yeah. It has nothing to do with you and what you think about me. Right. He ticked me off. But I know who this is. <laughs> no, no. Okay. Um, I need to talk about FabFitFun for a second, and then we're going to take some questions that uh, listeners sent in on Patreon and on Twitter. Um, Mary Catherine Ham, are you familiar with FabFitFun? I am. Uh, they, they have very fab fun things. They do. They have seasonal boxes, uh, and the seasonal boxes have full-size beauty items in them. They also have clothes, and they have jewelry. That's like the king-size snicker at Halloween. That's, That's real right. stuff. It really is. I still use some beauty. I use a specific coconut hair mask that I received 
in a FabFitFun box like two years ago. I'm still using it. It's great. Uh, the 2019 FabFitFun fall box is on sale now. Um, so many great items in it. Uh, there's a, a well, there's all different kinds of stuff. There's a, you can ch- you choose what you want. You can choose a ceramic hair straightener. Um, there's a really nice uh, uh, scarf that I used because I you don't need a scarf too often in Southern California. I went into my closet to get out my trusty old scarf. Uh, some holes in it. Yeah. So it's, but thankfully, I had this new, more stylish scarf, uh, a cut from the cloth wallet, um, some ear crawlers. I think that's what they're called. They're super hip. I don't know about those. Yeah, they're earrings that like you. Here, I'm gonna pull my headphone off to show you. They kind of go up. Oh, those you are. You can hip. also have cool, them dangle cool down. Cool chicks wear those. Cool, definitely cool chicks filled, wear those. They, that's exactly what this is a box for. Cool, the cool chick you want to be because the cool chick you want to be uses this box. Um, and then also, uh, here's the thing though, you guys, they they sell out fast, so get yours now. But it's more than just a box. In addition to the box, uh, members gain access to members only flash sales called add-on sales. Um, you also get access to on-demand videos from FabFitFun TV. Uh, it's great. You can you can get all of it with your FabFitFun membership. FabFitFun is a seasonal subscription box with full-size beauty, fitness, fashion, and lifestyle products. It retails for $49.99, but always has a value of over $200. Use coupon code BESTFRIEND that's just one word, best friend. For $10 off your first box at www.fabfitfun.com. Again, use coupon code best friend for $10 off your first fo- first box at www.fabfitfun.com. Go there now before this sells out. Okay, let's take some questions that people sent in. When we ask, they send them in. They're wondering how you have been. So thanks so much for answering these questions from our fans. All right. Here are some questions from Patreon. I'm on Patreon, patreon.com slash Allison Rosen. Okay. Whitney C says, what was her first thought this morning when she woke up that she can remember? Well, this morning I was very excited because I'm on the West Coast and I got engaged last night. So I sent pictures and whatnot to some people and I knew I was going to get this flood of you know all the social social media sort of like dopamine that i needed right right as soon as i woke up so i woke up and looked at my ring like a basic bitch and picked up my phone (laughs) and read all my messages that was the first thing i did seth says as a card carrying conservative how does the behavior of the president and the silence or vocal support of gop members of congress affect your identification with the republican party yeah. Do we even have cards now? I don't, it's <laughs> unclear. No, I, it's a weird time to, to be in politics and a lot of people feel sort of politically homeless and I'm, I'm one of those people. Mm. Um, I've sort of ter- weirdly turned into a swing voter now, I guess. Mm. Um, but I am still comfortably right of center. Um, but I am very Trump critical and I work at CNN, but I used to work at Fox, which means my hate mail is so diverse. <laughs> what a robust cornucopia. I am pleasing no one at <laughs> no time. And I think, again, as I said, growing up my whole life, I, I enjoy being a bit of a devil's advocate and being the person who is the weirdo in the room. And I that's part of why I enjoy the work at CNN. It's, an, it's a challenge for me. Um, my views do different differ from a lot of people there. Uh, and I have to, but what I end up doing is actually, 
I am not at all, as you will see in any of my punditry or writing, reflexively pro-Trump, mm-hmm. but I will often, frequently defend the people who voted for him and defend the idea that I think, I think one of the reasons that people tell me on Twitter all the time, like how could anyone ever vote for him? There's like no reason other than you're just a trash human. And it's like, well, that's kind of how we got here. Mm. Um, And so I, he is as much as you dislike him. And I know so many people do so much, even some of the people who voted for him. uh, (laughs) He, he is the duly elected president of the United States and you can't magically unpresident him. And oh, let's so I, try. I know. I know. Well, that's in the, in the sense that people have been trying from day one to unpresident him, to undo this terrible mm. mistake we made, which actually was just people voting. That is, I mean, that's what happened. Um, that feeling has polarized people. It has made his voters feel like they are, they are marginalized and under attack, which, yeah. is, which is, by the way, the reason they vote, voted for him yeah. in the first place. Um, it lines up exactly with his narrative. Um, so I don't, I don't know how this all works into my political identity. The things I believe in and the policies I believe in, I will continue to fight for. And I will say when he's wrong and much to the chagrin of some people, I will say when he's right, like when he's done a good thing. For instance, one of the things that I think is horribly overlooked because of our polarization, because nobody wants to give him a win um, is the First Step Act, which was a criminal justice reform mm-hmm. bill that made it through both houses of Congress and was pretty damn big and got no press. What is it? Um, it's a criminal justice reform act. And I, of course, I'm not going to give you, I'm not going to give you a proper thing because now I'm steeped in impeachment and can't think of the facts. That's okay. I'll look it up. It. Everyone go but look it up. It's a, it was a huge deal. And during an Obama administration or any other administration, it would have been a huge mm-hmm. deal. Um, for for everyone uh and it it just wasn't a story and i think things like that trump supporters go look that he did this thing that so many of you guys he actually worked with van jones mm. on this um that you believe in i'm libertarian on criminal justice i'm 100 percent uh pro reform pro large reforms um and so i think when those things get completely bypassed it doesn't do any of us mm-hmm. a service so i try to point those things out and then also, I just try not to panic about every single thing. And some people believe that that's normalizing. Right. But, and I will listen to that argument sometimes, but I also think that if I'm on the news and I'm screaming all the time and everything's an emergency, your audience begins to think that nothing is an emergency. Mm-hmm. If you cry wolf every single time you're out there, uh, they won't believe you when the wolf is actually there. Um, right. Like maybe the wolf wasn't Mitt Romney. Maybe the wolf was Donald Trump. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, so anyway, that's a very, very long, complicated answer about my identity crisis in this, in this mm-hmm. moment. Um, but I try to keep my head about me and be intellectually honest about the things I believe and the things he's wrong about and the things he's right about. Mm-hmm. And it's a blast. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> okay. Nicole says, could she give us some tips on how we can start a productive conversation with someone on the other side of politics? Uh, yeah. Um, this is, Oh wait, actually, sorry. The, the, a couple more questions. Yeah. Uh, and those relate. I thought there were several, but they relate when visiting colleges. Does she feel it's getting any easier to have open discussions with both sides of the aisle or is it continuing to get worse? Love her podcast lady brains. Um, okay. Thank you for the compliment and for listening. Uh, 
look, the environment on college campuses can be very tough. And there is a growing sense that, um, or at least for me and for many others, and sometimes professors themselves, that there's a loss of a cultural understanding of like why free expression is good and why bad things being said is not illegal and you shouldn't mm-hmm. be shielded from mm-hmm. it. <laughs> or even like just hearing things you disagree with. Um, that is a real phenomenon on college campuses. That being said, I almost always have a good experience on college campuses, but it's very hard, slow work because you go in there and you essentially say, look, I'm not a monster. I'm going to prove it to you now. And we have a discussion. And at the end of it, no one's hurt. Uh, we, we realize that I'm not a monster and we actually have a, a, a decent back and forth. So I have found, you know, a, done programs at Ivy League schools about free speech at Harvard, at Chicago, at uh, Yale, and uh, and found students to be, of course, very liberal, but very welcoming to me and my family. Um, and some of the tips I would say are, one, <laughs> tolerance begins with not thinking that half of the country is trash because mm. they disagree with you. That goes for both sides. Um, so that's number one. Uh, number two, don't try to convert somebody when you're having a conversation with them. Um, they may come to believe some, some things that you believe later. Um, but I think like, like, like an event, like an evangelical, like a street right, preacher, right. Like if you're just yelling at somebody that they should change their views, that makes them be, that's they not a, more interactive. It's not a conversation. It, fe- yeah. it feels gross. Um, you should have a conversation about why you guys differ, not about why you shouldn't differ. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think not being transactional about it, is helpful. Uh, and then my co-author Guy Benson and I for in a discussion, we always tell people, you know, maybe do a book swap. Um, if you're, if you guys are willing to do it and then talk about the book or even just an article, you know, mm-hmm. books are long. I get it. Uh, <laughs> even just an article and then take 20 minutes where you agree that you will discuss it and you will not question each other's motives. Mm. That the reason this person believes in this policy is not because they want to destroy people like you. Right. Um, and I'm telling you, man, it's, I, it is hard, slow work, but I think that making those personal connections and having those actual real life discussions is that's where it happens. That's where people learn that free expression and even very problematic views don't have to be as destructive mm-hmm. if you're actually just having a conversation about right. it. And the other thing is if you, <laughs> if you want people to come to your side, you have to deal with them as humans. I know you have to, if Democrats would like to win the presidency, they have to talk to people in Michigan and Wisconsin and Pennsylvania who disagree with Beto O'Rourke on taking AR-15s away, who disagree. Uh, by the way, Beto is like the freed id of the, of the liberal right now. <laughs> He's just like screaming all the things that every conservative is like, we thought you thought that. <laughs> or like punishing churches for not performing same-sex marriages. Mm-hmm. Like those are not ways you're going to win the hearts and minds in those states where you right. have to. Right. So. Right. Yeah, I um and Twitter is not the place for any of this either. But Ooh, no, it is not. Uh. I always feel like like the road kind of forks when I see like some sort of shitty political comment to something I said. Yeah. And it's like, okay, do I just treat them like an asshole or do I treat them like a human being? And then usually I decide neither. I just don't respond because they are coming at me with aggression. Yeah. Um, by the, I think we may have talked about this before. My favorite thing about Twitter is like when someone comes at you so, so mean, and then you have the temerity to push back, and they're like, "Geez, man, yeah, geez, you got really got an attitude." Like, <laughs> I know. 
Trigger, triggered much? They say you that came too. at me out of nowhere, man. Yeah, I know. I know. It's such a... I hate to be unpleasant. a Taylor Swift song, but it's true. <laughs> it's, it's deeply unpleasant. <laughs> no, Twitter is... I have taken an extended break from Twitter. I, I drop in every now and then, but I do not spend a ton of time there because it really did feel like I was expending... What I was doing was I was expending tolerance and energy and brain power and empathy mm-hmm. on yeah, it's, it's on strangers when I should be spending it on people who I can have a face to face with or, you know, coworkers or friends or family mm-hmm. um, where I think actually better connections are made. Right. Although I will say I've occasionally broken through with a troll on Twitter and it's very gratifying when it happens Yeah, and they just like a switch flips and they go, Oh, like you're a real person. Mm-hmm. Ooh, bad. So, My yeah. bad. I know sometimes that does happen <laughs> yeah. where if you don't smack them down, if you're just kind of human then, but then sometimes that doesn't work. Yeah. I don't know. But all of it is like sort of a waste of not dealing with nice people is not a waste of time, but that whole, like, I'm going to, I'm going to tame this wild troll thing. I, like, I know. But tw- I and know. Twitter, but I will also say Twitter can be so amazing for like raising money for amazing causes. Mm-hmm. And like you see all these people highlighted that you wouldn't have seen highlighted yeah. otherwise. So there, there are times when I'm like, okay, we're, we're doing the right thing. But also, please, please, can we stop canceling people for bad old tweets who are just like high schoolers? Yeah. It's bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ulysses the Vampire that's his Halloween name says I have so many questions has she been to Chincoteague Island and what are her thoughts on the eastern shore of Virginia and would she come visit the Manassas National Battlefield none of this means anything to me I just did um, a oh my god this is such a douchey statement I just did a half marathon through the Manassas Battlefield I don't think that's douchey (laughs) I like Um, that yeah so I'm I'm running the Marine Corps Marathon next week uh and raising money for the Travis Manion Foundation. You should check out my Instagram and I'll tell you how to send me some, send them some money. Uh, but I did a half marathon through uh, that battlefield and it's, it's beautiful out there. And it's also all those battlefields. My, my parents raised me visiting forts and battlefields all the time. Uh, and I think it is worth visiting those just to see, just to get a sense of like the incredible loss of life involved in saving our country from the civil war. I mean, it is, when you go out to those battlefields and you see the numbers, mm. it's just, it's mind blowing. Do you like um, old cemeteries? I do. My favorite. I have a favorite. You do. Bonaventure Cemetery in uh, in Savannah, Georgia. If anybody ever gets a chance to visit, it's on the water, Spanish moss. It's just, just hauntingly beautiful. The Rosens took a cross country trip uh, when I was 12 and my sister was eight and my parents, it was the four of us in my mom's Acura and my parents decided a little bit of a tight ride for that. I, yeah. It, no, it wasn't an Acura Integra. It was an Acura legend, okay. but it's, but still I remember <laughs> we had like test driven some minivans. We were thinking of maybe renting a minivan or something, or, or maybe like even a small RV, but we didn't, we just right. piled into the Acura and uh, we took many weeks to drive across, across the country. It was an educational trip. My mom and dad decided we were the perfect ages. I would suggest we were not. How old we, are you guys? I was 12 and she was eight. Yeah. Uh, all I did was read Sweet Valley High books in the back of the car and like wish I was at home with my best friend. <laughs> um, but anyway, my dad really has a thing for historical cemeteries. And so anytime we'd see one, he'd want to stop. And I really am 
for someone who like doesn't really believe I'm very freaked out by cemeteries. Like I don't believe, oh, but I, I also don't want to risk it. <laughs> yeah. Like, like if there's something there, yeah, I don't want to anger them. Yeah. Well, my thing with cemeteries is like just walking around, just thinking like there's bodies down there. There's, it just freaks me out. Um, so yeah, I, I do not, I don't have a lot. I, it I freaks took, me out too much. I took my kids on an insane 3000 mile road trip last, oh, really? last summer. And they were, of course, what, it's like three and four and a half, three and five. Uh, but they're really good road trippers. And we saw some fantastic stuff all over the West. It was amazing. I haven't driven across the country since I was 12. I would like to do it now. Um, I, I have never done the actual cross country. This was all over the West that, okay. we, that we did. But uh, I would like to do that. I, f- I fear that the time in my life has passed for that. But maybe I should do it when my kids are 12 and eight. Yeah, talk <laughs> to my parents. <laughs> They're perfect ages. Um, okay, well, you already answered this. Demi in Cordova says, is she running the Marine Corps Marathon again? I'm asking because I'm doing it, hoping for a pick. Oh, cool. Yes, we should find each other. Yeah. Um, there's a Travis Manion Foundation tent at the end, and I will be there. Uh, but I, I hope to find him. I, I'm also uh, trying to think. I'll, I'll be in the four-hour-ish corral, mm. if that's helpful. Um, Although I do not know if I can finish that fast. So we'll see. Yeah, so I I don't even I don't even have a frame of reference. I I I can barely. That's not. I was gonna say I all can the times walk a mile. are. I certainly can. All the times are painful. That's yeah. the answer. Uh, I will say I had a I had like a top three parenting moment a couple oh. of weeks ago when my two children finished a five k. Wow. Now they like walk ran yeah. it, and it was a mistake. They missed the turnaround and. <laughs> And just did the whole thing. I had told them they were going to do a one mile fun mm-hmm. run. They missed the turnaround. A friend of <laughs> mine who's a saint who, while I was running the 5k, took my kids, got them all the way through it. And wow. they were so proud. Well, first of all, they were like, oh, mom, one mile is really hard. <laughs> and I said, sweetie, that was three miles. That's uh, very impressive. Wow. Yeah. And then were they like super well behaved the rest of the day, just like dogs if they're tired? Uh, <laughs> yes, they were very tired. And we let them eat whatever they wanted and goof off to, to reinforce that like when you try, try really right. hard and you accomplish something, you get like a bunch of treats. This, right. is, this is how this works. Uh, no, but they were, they were giddy. They were so proud That's of themselves. So sweet. So. Uh, and then lastly, Jonathan Barry says, ask her about her love of Bojangles. Oh my God. That's a restaurant, right? A restaurant a chain? Re- it is a restaurant. And yesterday, I, in, a, in a moment that I thought was a, another poetic sign before we went on our horseback ride, there was a mule named Bojangles who I got my picture taken with. <laughs> and I thought, this is a blessed ride. Hashtag blessed. Uh, no, Bojangles <laughs> is a Southern chicken and biscuits chain. It is mostly in South Carolina, Georgia, and North Carolina. In North Carolina, there's one every five miles. Um, so they were all over when I was a kid. And every, I know everyone is having the Popeye's Chick-fil-A fight. I get it. I'm, I'm, not, I'm staying out of that. Have you had that sandwich, though? I, I, haven't. I haven't. I want to. Um, I believe that it is delicious. I'm, but Bojangles beats Popeye's for me, hands down. I, I think the chicken is better. A lot of people will tell you Popeye's chicken is better. What I know for sure... <laughs> Oh my God. lay my life down on the fact that the biscuits are better at Bojangles and all the sides are better too. Take it to the bank. Go to Bojangles if you get a chance. So is it like, it's not a chicken sandwich situation. It's like a bucket of chicken kind of yes, thing? Yes, it's more of a, in the KFC Got it. realm, okay. that, that type of, like the tailgate special is what mm-hmm. you're, is what you're going to order. Or you, I would order a, uh, it's just like eight pieces of chicken, a bunch of biscuits, or you can go 
all day long and get a breakfast biscuit, bacon, egg, and cheese anytime mm. you want it. Oh, it's such a wonderful place. Do they even have Bojangles on the West Coast? I don't think they do. It was just bought by a, another company, and I'm a little wary about where this oh, is going. Oh, no. So maybe... Stay the course, Bojangles. On one hand, maybe it will spread to other places. On the other hand, they might mess up the biscuit recipe, and there will be hell to pay. And what is so good about these biscuits? They are just flaky and buttery and delicious, but not heavy. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you do a biscuit wrong, it's just like a brick in your stomach. But yeah. If you do a biscuit right like a little cloud are you an instant pot person i am because i just i was really enthusiastic about that (laughs) i didn't realize how many how many positive feelings i had about it until i said it that way well i'm glad i could um reunite you with your feelings (laughs) about instant pot people are very into them um i have one it sat in a box for a long time i was intimidated because they're kind of big and i didn't know but i've just started using it what kind of thing i've started using it and i love how easy it is i love that i don't feel overwhelmed by the mess Yes. Um, when I'm cooking and it's pretty straightforward, but I don't feel like I've gotten anything dialed in exactly right yet. I mean, it's fine, but it's not like so better. A couple of things that I make mac and cheese for the kids, Mm. like homemade mac and cheese in an instant pot is super fast and delicious. Uh, and so I do that. I just dump, you know, whatever fat I have into the delicious noodles and hand it to the kids. So I make that once a week just to have on hand. Do you do a natural release or a how do you release the pressure? Uh, usually quick because I'm okay. impatient. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> like I want that timer to be done. Yeah. Um, I also make, there's a spinach artichoke dip that's insane. I will send it to you. Please. Like, it is just like a restaurant. It's, and then you realize why spinach artichoke, artichoke dip is so good. It's not the vegetables. Um, <laughs> but I make that. I make, um, I make a lot of like just shredded chicken with, for the family. It's mm-hmm. like, um, also now that, uh, we very, very shortly ago moved in with the fiance and uh, the man eats so much meat. Uh, and so I make large amounts of it mm-hmm. in the Instant Pot in no time at all. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm going to need some recipes from you. So you guys moved into his place. Yes. How did that go? Um, it is. How is that going? It's going well, but it's going well partly because we were in training all summer. Mm. Um, he is He's much more organized and clean than we are. Um, and... So the kids were sort of working up to living with him, mm-hmm. learning, doing a little better, picking up their things. I also have some things to improve. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's good. Uh, I think it's, I have, I have gained in my old house. I had an entryway that was only toys, right? Uh, there was no, there was no place to come in my house where there wasn't kid stuff. Oh, same. I had no playroom. There was no way to hide stuff. Yeah. Um, I have gained an entryway that's like a civilized person's. Oh, wow. Like, hey, here's a living room without kid stuff all over it. So that's exciting. Um, so where does the kid stuff go then? Do you have a special room for it? It's mostly in their room. Mm. I cut down a bunch when we moved. This is the, the, fighting, the my hoard, fighting my hoarding <laughs> tendencies with Lindsay. Uh, so I cut down a bunch and then they've got like a drawer or two upstairs mm-hmm. in the living room that they're allowed to put various things in but it has to be pretty simple yeah so we can keep it civilized up there yeah yeah i dream of a time where it's not kids toys everywhere but i feel like it's going to be a while yeah it's so it's it's going well it's going better than i i thought it might be a little bumpier but i feel like we were we were pretty prepared (laughs) the move went very smoothly he's a super organized person for doing something like a move right whereas my brain cannot break down into small tasks what i need to do yeah and he just I, i get overwhelmed and think oh god we're never gonna do this and he goes 
here's the four things you're doing this morning. And then I, we're going to lift all the things and put them on this truck. And then we're going to take them to my house. And I'm like, look at that. We just did that. Wow. Um, so things like that. He's, he's good at uh, wrangling me. Yeah. Um, good. And, uh, and it's fun to be around each other. I was worried because he's got this man castle he's been living in by himself forever and that we were going to invade but you know there's seasonal decorations up in there he uh he now has halloween decorations in his house because women live here (laughs) and so we gotta have some sparkly jack-o'-lanterns and some spiders and spider webs on the the centerpiece of the table there's a lot gourds we got gourds and mums (laughs) he's all in this is what i'm telling you Mary Catherine, it was so nice to catch up with you. <laughs> it's so nice to be here on such a fun day. I know. Congratulations. Thank you I'm so much. I'm really happy for you. Tell everyone um, wh- where they can find you, what they should look out for, uh, etc. I am on Instagram at MKHammerTime. I'm on Twitter at MKHammer, where I'm occasionally there if you if you need to find me, but I'm, it's not reliable. Um, and let's see, I, I'm on Lady, Lady Brains. Yeah. You can buy End of Discussion. It's a fun read. It's not blowhardy, I swear. I mean, it's a little blowhardy in spots. I'm a political person, but it's not super blowhardy. Uh, and I host Lady Brains. And I, for Christmas season, I do a series podcast called Christmas Ham. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> which is, I do, like, it's right up your alley. Yeah. Which is just me talking about stupid uh, Christmas movies with friends and breaking down the plots of, like, The Christmas Prince 2. I love that. Yeah. And when does when is that going to start? Uh, hopefully, when I get back to town, because you know the Christmas season starts in October now, so you gotta get you gotta on get it. on it. Yeah, and I also got to get on Halloween costumes. I have a I have a lot going on that is apparently none of it work related. <laughs> <laughs> it's really fun. It's just fun. Uh, and I'm at Allison Rosen on Twitter and Instagram, uh, patreon.com slash Allison Rosen, cameo.com slash Allison Rosen. Those requests are just trickling in, you guys. Um, listen to my other podcast, Childish. And if you like what you're hearing, this one and that one, um, rate, review, subscribe. It really helps out the show. Thank you guys so much. Thank you again. Thank you. And by the way, you have another baby since I was here last and congratulations. And Thank it's amazing. You. And we talked off the podcast, but I didn't want people to think like I'm, I'm only talk about my kids. I don't only talk about my kids. No, just mostly. Yeah, yeah. But you're the guest though. <laughs> they know about my kids. Um, so cute. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much for being here. Listeners. Thank you for listening. I love you. Goodbye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen show? We had a good time. 